Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the FPL Blues podcast. We have a special edition for you today as Bucks. My great co-host is on Wildcard. Yeah, baby. We've had, some, we've had some crazy team news over the last few days with likes of Rudiger coming back into the squad. But most importantly, the big man up top for Chelsea, Romelu Lukaku, goes down with an injury in Champions League when he probably should have been rested by Tuchel. And he's going to be out for a few weeks. And I know that definitely changes your wildcard tinkers ahead of the Norwich fixture. So I'm glad to have you on board here for this discussion. And uh, hopefully I can nitpick your wildcard team a bit. Yeah, I think this is going to change my plan as well as a lot of FPL managers plans. Lukaku was the clear and favorite captain shout for game week nine. I think a lot of managers were planning to make a heavy investment into Chelsea, both in defense, as well as their attack targeting this Norwich fixture, as well as some of the upcoming cupcake matches, including the game week 10 against Newcastle and game week 11 against Burnley. And Lukaku has this reputation of being a flat track bully scoring and really dominating the lesser teams. So this seemed like a great chance to bring Lukaku in, move off a player like Ronaldo. And so, you know, I think myself and a lot of other FPL managers are left scratching their head about who's the best replacement for Lukaku, but also, you know, how to best set up a wildcard team in absence of Lukaku. And it's just worth saying before I dive into sharing my team that we're recording on Thursday evening, Eastern time. And Lukaku is very solidly in range of having a price drop. And some of his popular replacement choices, Jamie Vardy, Ivan Tony, and even Rafinha and Son seem set to be having a price rise. So making a Lukaku to Vardy kind of straight swap is a 0.2 million saver uh, if you can do it today in advance of the press conferences and the game week starting tomorrow on Friday. So with that, Brian, I think uh, the moment everyone's been waiting for, our guidance on what a game week nine wildcard could look like. And we're going to do that with my team as the dummy. So here we go. Show it off, Bucks. What have you been working on? What have you been tinkering with the last few days here? We're excited to take a look and dive in because you're already sitting at 47K OR. And after my wildcard last week, you were itching to pull the trigger. So let's, uh, let's dive into it. Yeah, so this is my squad right now. I've definitely had about 10 to 12 different iterations of what my 15-guy lineup looks like, but this is where I've landed on at the moment, uh, barring press conference news that we get between tonight and tomorrow's deadline, which is coming early because there is Friday football. So I've opted to go big in the back, um, following your lead there, Brian. But I've gone differential in goalkeeper to start out. I really have mentioned my affinity and how I'm impressed with the way that Brentford has been starting out this season. They look really well coached and really well organized. So I've decided to go for Raya instead of the most popular wildcard selection goalkeeper, which is Ramsdale. I just think at this point, I trust Brentford more than I trust Arsenal, which is the logic behind that selection. And for my backup goalkeeper, I've gone super cheap. Ben Foster seems like the move. He's the only consistently playing 4 million keeper option. So I have to admit, we have been talking a lot about this second goalkeeper spot. And I thought about going crazy different and picking Gaita from 
Crystal Palace to have two kind of number one option playing goalkeepers for only 0.5 more than my current selection. But I decided that I'd rather have that 0.5 for future tinkering and future moves. So I'm going about as limited as you can for my goalkeepers. Yeah, I mean, I think Raya has the fixtures coming up, especially looking at Burnley, Norwich, Newcastle. Those could easily be three clean sheets in a row. So uh, backing the Bs there makes a lot of sense. And they've been super cagey, um, you know, game in and game week out. So I like that call. And it's a little different than some of the other managers. So makes a lot of sense as well to just take that money and, you know, have a single goalkeeper in the back that you'll just play in every week and, um, you know, wait to transfer out until your next wild card. So uh, I know you've looked at the fixtures for a long time, so that makes sense. Let's dive into the double Chelsea defenders in the back. So you've sure, chosen sure. Quetta and Chilwell. And I'm kind of curious uh, why you went with that pairing instead of Rudiger and Chilwell. So I'm very much, this is one of the spots that I'm still very torn on. Uh, I think Aspie has a higher ceiling, but probably a lower floor. So Chilwell is definitely more of a differential pick, and I think he's nailed right now. He scored three goals in his last four matches for Chelsea, and he, him and Aspie were actually both subbed off early midweek, which I think is a good sign that they will be getting the starting nod against Norwich on the weekend. So it is the early fixture, so you never know. There is more rest oh, and man. more information that is needed but i think right now my mind is made up chillwell is for sure in my squad that aspilaqueta spot is is very much still uh, up in the air but i think like i said aspilaqueta if he starts i expect that he's going to start as a wing back not as a center back in the kind of five at the back lineup hmm. that chillwell that Tuchel likes to implement. So I like Aspilicueta going forward. My mentality and my mindset in FPL is always to target the wing backs, uh, right and left backs, as opposed to the center backs. So that's what brings me to Aspilicueta. Uh, obviously, Rudiger is cheaper and probably more nailed. He's when he's healthy, which he is clearly. He got 90 minutes against Malmo. Uh, you know, I think he's Malmo. more low. Yeah, he's more locked in the side. So that I I really think that double Chelsea is the way to go. I know a lot of managers who wildcarded last week might have gone double City, but I think that for these next upcoming fixtures, the double Chelsea is the way to go. And one other spot that I should mention in my big back three, I have Asby, Chilwell, TAA and Cancelo as kind of four heavy hitters, as well as Shane Duffy, who's been a a price rise and uh, just an absolute beast as a budget player in my squad. TAA is really on the fringe for me. I could downgrade Mm. TAA to Livermento and kind of plan that transfer back in the future. But I've decided just that, you know, I'm wildcarding. I don't want to be planning defender transfers down the road. I'd rather Mm -hmm. keep those moves for, you know, more attack minded players. So these are my five right now. Uh, Definitely Rudiger is in my thoughts as kind of the five and a half uh, defender at this point. Yeah. Taking a look at your strategy for your back line. One reason you keep Trent is that he's absolutely nailed when healthy. Whereas Mm -hmm. some of these other players could see a little bit more rotation. So I think that's another thing to consider. And then you don't have to waste transfers getting Trent later on if he gets really hot and gets a couple of double digit hauls and you're without him. So that makes a lot of sense. I think Aspilicueta, like you said, he can play, you know, center back or that right wing back spot. 
So I think that does offer a little bit more versatility uh, for Tuchel and he might take advantage of that. But I do think that over the next two or three fixtures when they're playing all these cupcake matches, we're going to see a, a some rotation there. So it looks like you have a deep rest of your squad with at least two playing bench guys that will help uh, cover any rotation you might see against the likes of you know Newcastle or Burnley. Yeah, one last thing I want to mention uh, specifically on TAA is a lot of managers have chosen to go without him and he is so explosive. He could score a goal or have an assist in any match, which is why I've stayed true to bringing him onto my wildcard team. I think a lot of people are scared off with that Man United match at Old Trafford and then in two game weeks, they're playing West Ham. I think that Liverpool are of such a quality that they can probably clean sheet both of those matches. But the fear is really that TIA will get an assist or he'll get a goal to go with, even if they allow a goal to United or to West Ham, you know, getting that goal is huge. And I think he has, he has it in him. We haven't seen those returns quite yet, but I think that they're coming. He's on set pieces. He's on uh, corner kicks. So I just love the upside from TAA and, you know, I'm, a, I'm always chasing the potential ceiling. So that's my back line right now. Yeah. I, I mean, TAA is a no brainer in my opinion. I also have him in my squad currently. So I think the Manchester United fixture pre UCL looked a little bit more challenging, but given the uh, full 90 minutes that Ole had to put out against Atalanta, um, you know, the likes yeah, of good shout. Ronaldo, um, you know, Bruno, Rashford, you know, these guys are going to be a little bit tired, not to mention their defense is just terrible. So even if, you know, Ronaldo gets a, a goal, I, I definitely see attacking returns. Um, the, the defense, the spine for Manchester United is clearly fractured. Um, you know, it's still, you know, not in a wheelchair yet, but it's, it's fractured. So I would not uh, be surprised if Trent gets some attacking returns in that match. Yeah. And, and they've been leaking goals left and right. I mean, it doesn't really matter who's playing against them. They're conceding at least one goal. So yeah, um, I think with that, we All can right. jump to my midfield. Let's do it. So I'm seeing Salah, of course, he stays. Rafinha, he stays. But then I see a few new characters in your, um, in your center line there. So tell me about Havertz as the, the big differential pick, obviously, with some news on Lukaku. You're banking on the fact that he's going to play false nine under Tuchel. Yeah, so this is this is really trying to use the crystal ball a little bit more than I like to. But I think that Havertz seems like he's the only healthy out-and-out striker right now in the squad. <laughs> um, I am a little bit nervous. There's been news that Pulisic is close to returning and that maybe Timo Werner's injury isn't as bad as initially reported. So this could be a kind of short-term punt. But I think for sure against uh Norwich and Newcastle, he's going to be leading the line for Chelsea. So I like the upside there. Uh, I'm definitely looking at some other premium midfield options in that spot, in kind of that second primo spot. Um, KDB is someone who I can potentially fit in with a couple moves. Uh, Sun is another player. But I just think Havertz for the next two game weeks has a much higher ceiling than both those players. And I rate that he's actually going to outscore Phil Foden, who was the popular selection for game week eight wild carders in this same spot. Yeah, I mean, he's Foden's in my side right now. I, I, I back the talent, but the minutes might not be there. Whereas right now, Havertz is going to have the opportunity to be in front of goal. And I think that's a, a great shout. Plus, 
I think bucks, I really like this price point because it allows you to downgrade to mm-hmm. quality players like a Greenwood, like Jota. Uh, you know, those are some guys just you could instantly downgrade to um, and feel pretty confident. Or you can find two million and get up to Sun. So I, I do like that shout with Havertz there. And then again, maybe Foden does do the business and he looks like he's the one in a couple of game weeks when and i could just switch turn. yeah yeah exactly so and that i do like that it's a, a one move i know that in a few of your other tinkers you had some cheap guys in the midfield but this gives you a little bit more versatility so i, I like that um and then imbumo imboimo boom boom town let's go bucks you and me are both on him and we're looking forward to his run of fixtures i don't think we need to just discuss it too much more but at 5.5 he's an easy shoe in playing out of position right yeah, he's playing out of position. He's hit the post six times, which is way more than anyone else in the entire league. So I expect that he's going to score some goals in their upcoming fixtures. And I just think from the price, it's undeniable. He's probably going to be starting in my team, maybe not game week nine, but probably game week 10, 11, and 12. He'll be getting a nod as uh, oh, yeah. you know one of my starting players. And Brownhill, I went, he's just the cheapest option and he is nailed. So I like that value. I was on Basuma. Obviously he has some issues off the field and I got, I made this swap before Basuma was set to price drop. So uh, I'm just trying to capitalize and keep my team value. I'm not necessarily chasing uh, price increases with my team. I just, I want to get the players I want and I want to, since I'm on wildcard, I want to make those moves before they get more expensive. Yeah, it looks like a really solid midfield line where you can kind of pick between really starting three or four of those every single week, depending on the fixtures. So uh, let's talk about your front line now. Obviously, no Romelu Lukaku versus Norwich. So instead, you have Vardy as the kind of premium guy there. So what tipped you to choose Vardy over Harry Kane, who is obviously just scored some points and gaining some momentum, but He's only had one goal and one assist on the season. Yeah, it's a great point. Initially, my wild card front line was Lukaku, Vardy, Tony, and I shipped out Antonio uh, to make that possible. So what I'm really concerned about with Kane is that he still hasn't really hit form and clearly Spurs, there's something up there. They, They lost today versus Vitesse, which is like a team I've never heard of in the Europa um champions cup or whatever it's called um this is basically the pre-tournament to get into the europa league so uh, i mean they, I just they feel- started their they started their like c squad though they started an 18 year old kid scarlet as striker so they'd obviously they did they did that. but i i just think that there's there isn't i don't see that spurs have they haven't vibed yet so uh i just think that kane is such an expensive player and i want to make sure that when I bring him or son in, which I'm definitely thinking of doing in potentially game week 12, that I have a path to do that. But I don't think I need to necessarily do that today. I don't think that he's going to outscore a player like Tony or Jimenez by that much. So I've gone with Vardy, as you mentioned. I think Vardy is a must-have. He's set to price rise, so that move is going to look even better in a couple hours. And he's the top goal scorer for forwards and he has the second most shots and xg behind mo salah so he's just absolutely in fuego he's in form and they might not have the best fixtures but i just think he's 
he's a lock and he's going to be playing. I'm not so concerned with the acquisition of Pats and Daka or any of the noise around the Leicester side. And Tony is my boy. I've had him since the start of the season. So he's not going anywhere, especially before the Brentford fixture uh, flip. So I'm tripled up on Chelsea and on Brentford, which, you know, some people might call me crazy for betting on a newly promoted side this way. But last season, players who backed leads in a real way early in the season were rewarded. So I think that for my eye, Brentford is the this season's leads. So I think if you can get on their assets today, you're going to look really smart in two or three weeks when all the other FPL managers are following that move. So this is my team. Jimenez is definitely the player who um, is going to make way to potentially some other third striker options. A uh, player like Danny Ings is in my thoughts. A uh, player like Callum Wilson, who's now back healthy from injury. And even a player like Gabriel Jesus, though he's he's probably on that next tier. But um, Kane is definitely a player that I've tinkered to fit in. The issue with getting Kane at this point is that I would have to go without TAA. And I think for my side and for my conscience, I'd rather have TAA. I feel like he's more likely to get uh, nailed return game week in, game week out than Kane is at this point. Yeah, I mean, I would not sacrifice TAA. You could easily sacrifice Jimenez or um, somebody else in your squad to fund that. So I think that makes a lot of sense right now, Bucks. And you have any money in the bank on this draft? Yeah, so this setup, I have 0.4 million. And I just want to take you through showing you some of my tinker thoughts. So we won't make this too painful. So if I go... If I go Aspie to Rudiger, all of a sudden I have 0.8. And I'll show you how I was thinking of maybe going without. Yeah, if you go without TAA, obviously he's looked like he's kind of laboring a bit the last few matches coming back from the groin injury. Uh, Watford, he wasn't really kind of doing like the full sprinting up the side that he usually does. And then he played a full 90 in Champions League um, as well. So I can definitely understand why now might be a couple week punt to remove him from your team. You're just going to have to have a clear route into, hey, how do I upgrade either Rudiger or, um, you know, Chilwell to Trent if he starts popping off and then you're left in the dust? Yeah, exactly. And and that's really my concern. I think TAA is a player who we've mentioned is probably a season long keeper. And just going without him means that you're going to have to plan a defensive transfer, which just feels a little yucky. Um, at least coming out of your wild card, you don't want to have defensive transfer issues to be addressing. So if I wanted to fit KDB in, I have the funds to do it with these two small moves, Rudiger, sorry, Aspie to Rudiger and TA to Livermento gets me Havertz out KDB in. I could also go instead of KDB, I could bring in, very popular pick, Youngman Sung, who I know is COVID-free and you know still playing the game with a smile on his face. So this gives me mm-hmm. two million in the bank as well to uh, potentially make some other moves. So I showed Brian this. Yeah, I mean, but you could you could go Livermento to Diaz there then. Well, I showed you this, and I'm gonna sh- I'm gonna show the the listeners my crazy idea, which was maybe to go three at the back with Chelsea. And oh if, my goodness, that's that is the true wild card bucks. This this is a little risky. Um, I think the reason 
this even enters my mind is the defensive rotation that Tuchel likes to implement. And I feel like that probably two of these guys are going to play on a regular basis, but as Brian mentioned, Diaz is probably the safer option in that spot. So I just wanted to, to show the listeners that move. And then, you know, we had mentioned Kane earlier in the episode. So I wanted to show how I would potentially get Kane in. Oh, technical difficulties. Yeah, I think obviously Sun, you know, has the same fixtures as Kane and has been the one who's actually been producing points for Tottenham. So it's going to be interesting to see when game week 12 comes around, if he's actually somebody that you would captain against the likes of, you know, Leeds and Burnley. Uh, when yeah. others have a little bit more difficult fixtures. Uh, I know that Kane will be a super popular captain in those uh, games coming up, but um, some people will just go with comparison to that, uh, little bit of a frown uh, to start the season. Yeah, I think so. I I just wanted to mention Kane because uh, again, I think he's a player that a lot of managers want to have in their side. So I, this team doesn't really give me a straight option to do so. I probably have to move off Vardy to get to Kane. And again, it, it just, I think the Jimenez Havertz and with having kind of this big at the back, that gives me the foundation to go to Kane in two moves. I would move off Vardy and probably move off, you know, one of my midfielders, and then I could spread the funds elsewhere. So just to show you what that could look like, Vardy up to Kane and then Havertz, let's say at the time we have Sokka's back healthy. Again, it's, there's, I have flexibility and it's worth mentioning that, you know, going with that 4.0 keeper gives me a little bit more leash to make some of these moves at a future date. So that's really my thinking. I normally like to have four playing bench spots. Um, in this wild card, I really only have two because I don't really foresee a situation where I'd want to be playing Ben Foster or Brownhill. So just worth mentioning that it's, I'm going a little bit off my typical style, but again, with wildcard, you have to have an eye for the long term. And I think I want this team to be able to be malleable and flexible and also maximize the points in the short term. So the Lukaku news, I think really is going to help me and my fellow game week nine wildcarders, because I bet 90% of managers who wildcarded in game week eight got Lukaku. So a lot of those managers were planning to probably roll a transfer. Now they have to get Lukaku out. So Again, I think patience always is best, but I can understand why coming off the international break, a lot of managers wanted to capitalize on that game week eight swing. So this is my team right now. Yeah. Yeah. This is my team right now. One last question I had for you, Bucks, is, you know, you have 0.4 in the bank. Why are you choosing Jimenez over Antonio, who's, you know, proven to have one of the highest, you know, expected goal involvements through the first eight weeks of the season? Um, what are your, what are your kind of thoughts there? Sure. So I, I can get Antonio. I think my hesitation is I sold him. So I don't want to bring him back for, uh, so (laughs) much. It's like, uh, you know, if you, if you sell something and then you see it and it's shiny and new, and then you see it's marked up 30%. So I think Antonio, we've discussed this on previous podcasts, his fixtures are changing for the worst. 
I think I looked ahead. Obviously, I'm crazy with my tinkering. And in game week 15, Antonio's fixtures come back around and they start looking really positive. So I think when I start looking at how I can get Manchester United players back in, I'll also be looking at how I can get Antonio back into my side. So he's not in my thoughts right now. I think obviously that could punish me. He's owned by like 40% of the FPL community. But my sense is that some of the slightly cheaper options or the more premium players are going to be outscoring Antonio in the next couple of game weeks. Yeah, I guess the real bet right there is just if it's going to be Jimenez or not, um, because you do have the money to have him in your side. So even though you've sold him, maybe that was a you know quick trigger and maybe one of a, your few mistakes that you've made this season, um, you know, it's easily correctable as well. So I think that's just something to keep in mind, um, you know, how we think Wolves attack are going to continue to evolve. You know, they did score three goals in the last game versus Villa but none of those had kind of any of their main attackers involved. There's two goal, um, two defender goals and things of that nature. So yeah, it's definitely going to be a differential for you, but um, you know, the rest of your team looks super solid and um, you know, thanks for uh, previewing the wild card before the final deadline tomorrow. I'm sure you'll do a couple more tinkers, but um, with the linchpin being Havertz in there, I think, this is the the best time that you could ever punt on somebody like that. Um, and it's, it's an opportunity for you to rise in the ranks because his ownership is super low. He's, you know, he started the season 8.5 and he's already down the 8.1. Um, so many people will have a sour taste in their mouth with him, but these three fixtures could come good and he could get double digits in all three of them. If he plays at the false nine for Chelsea. Exactly. And, and just one more thing, I think there's a lot of talk about form versus fixture and which way that you want to back as an FPL manager, what's more important. And, you know, I think we're missing out as FPL players from what would have been the ultimate proof positive of this test, um, because Salah is obviously on killer form right now and Lukaku has the fixture. So um, I think there was going to be a really interesting divide with who is going to get the captaincy armband. I expect that that's going to change and that probably 90 plus percent of the FPL community are going to be captaining Mo Salah versus Man United. And it's just a shame because I think that the Lukaku playing against these kind of weaker sides, it would have been a real opportunity for Chelsea to test how best to utilize Lukaku. And obviously Havertz is a very different player, but I'm hoping that his injury will really push Chelsea and Tuchel to uh, change up the system to be a little more um, imaginative on how we can attack some of these weaker teams without necessarily sacrificing the talent and solidity at the back. So this is my squad, definitely Chelsea defense. If you're on wildcard, um, you need to have at least one of those guys. And I would suggest probably a Chelsea triple up going into the Norwich fixture. You know, Norwich are the whipping boys of the Premier League right now. Yep, that's and, right. Time and, to get uh, right. Exactly, exactly. So this is hopefully my chance to get a right and ripe green arrow um, in game week nine and uh, hoping for big things for you as well, Brian, and for our listeners. Uh, let's get some good results, some big scores, and some juicy green arrows going into game week nine, which as a reminder, kicks off tomorrow, Friday, with a early football match between Arsenal and Villa. So make sure you make your transfers before the deadline and exciting things ahead for all of us. 
Good luck with those final tinkers, Bucks. Thanks for tuning in to the listeners and uh, good luck this game week. We'll talk to you soon. Absolutely. Thanks, Brian. Great pod. Cheers, mate. Thank you.